Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope that you're still well. I hope that these first days of 2021 haven't given 2020 a run for its money. Um, It's still 2020 when I'm writing this, and I'm listening to all of these yearly roundups, and it's really hard to believe everything that happened this year. There are things from January and February that I am sure must have happened in 2019, but nope, they were all in 2020. Anyway, I'm still hoping that 2021 proves to be less eventful. I don't know who cursed us to live in interesting times, but I think we're all ready for it to be a bit boring for a while. So hopefully your 2021 has been boring so far. We have another Odyssey episode today. Uh, We are up to book 20. That means that, including today, we have five books left to cover. That's it. Um, And today, we will see that Homer is a master of rising action. (laughs) Um, When we last left our hero, he was making his bed in the doorway. He's still home, but not really, so that's a logical, liminal spot for him to sleep. And that is exactly where book 20 picks up. Odysseus goes to sleep in the bed he made in the doorway, Um, or at least he goes to bed in the bed he made in the doorway. Eurynome covers him up with a blanket, um, but he can't sleep. He's he's like a kid before Christmas, um, if Christmas involved killing a hundred or so people, so not, not, not really. Uh, anyway, um, as Odysseus lies there with too many thoughts running through his head, he watches a group of maids slip outside and head towards where the suitors are spending the night. And his first instinct is to jump up and kill each and every one of them. But he talks himself down. He reminds himself that he's seen worse. Uh, Like that time the Kiklops ate his men. Yeah, that's worse than some mates going and spending the night with guys that they choose to spend the night with. Anyway, uh, and and he reminds himself back to the Kiklops, he reminds himself that it was his wits that got him out of that situation, so that's what he needs to do right now. He needs to use his wits and not just act on instinct. Um, He tosses and turns, and eventually Athena comes to him and asks why he's still awake. After all, he's home now with his wife and his son. It was turned out pretty good if she says so herself. Odysseus confesses that he's worried. He's just one man. How is he going to manage to kill all of the suitors? And once he's done, how will he escape the consequences of his actions? Athena scolds him for his lack of faith before promising him that he will succeed because she will help him. She doesn't really say anything about the consequences side of things, but this is enough to reassure him and Odysseus finally falls asleep. Meanwhile, Penelope, too, is having a hard time falling asleep. She prays to Artemis to kill her. She's not exactly suicidal, um, but in a lengthy speech, she suggests a variety of ways the gods could help her out by killing her. So it's not something that she plans to do herself, but she wouldn't she wouldn't mind if the gods did it for her. Um, it, she can't sleep because of her dreams. Uh, But this very night, she had a dream that Odysseus had come home with an army. And and in that dream, he seemed 
so real to her. It, it just makes her cry because he was so real that, that she believed he was really home. Um, as he wakes up with the dawn, Odysseus can hear Penelope crying. And he feels like she knows that it's really him, that he's really home. He puts a, his bedding away and then prays to Zeus, asking for a good sign that what he's about to do is Zeus's will. And Zeus promptly responds with a ginormous clap of thunder. No lightning, no rain, just thunder. Now, in the courtyard, there is a group of 12 maids uh, grinding flour. Well, I mean, they were supposed to be grinding flour, um, but most of them are asleep, which I totally get because, again, the sun has just come up. Um, But there's one, one of the 12, who either never went to sleep or else is an extreme lark, which I can appreciate. I happen to be one. Um, And she hears the thunderclap and pronounces that this is clearly a sign from Zeus that the suitors are about to get their due. They have nearly worked her to death grinding barley for them, but no more. Sorry, Odysseus hears her prayer and it totally lifts his spirits. This This is like a second sign supporting the sign he just got from Zeus. Then the other servants wake up and Telemachus comes downstairs. He asks Eurycleia how their guest is doing, and she fills him in. Then Telemachus heads into town to talk to his fellow Ithacans, um, but the action stays at the palace. Eurycleia calls to the maids to clean up, do the dishes, fetch water. The suitors will be back soon, so they need to look too. And the maids do, as requested. Twenty go to fetch water, and an unnamed number set to work inside. Um, Just to give you an idea of the scale, the number of people in this palace. Um, as all of this is going on, the swineherd returns with hogs uh, for the day, and he asks Odysseus how it's going, and Odysseus replies that not much has changed. And then Melanthius, the goat herd, arrives too with the goats for the day, and he tells Odysseus to move on. Nobody wants to see him. Odysseus ignores him. Uh, then Philoetos, uh, the cattle foreman, Cow, the cowherd shows up with an ox. Uh, so it sounds like a regular old mixed grill for the feast today, apparently. Uh, he asks the swineherd, Eumaeus, who the stranger is, and comments on how kingly his bearing is. And then he addresses Odysseus directly and wishes him better luck in the future because clearly he's a man who's down on his luck. Um, but then he starts speaking about how much he misses Odysseus and how he hates having to serve the suitors. And he adds that he would have left long ago if he didn't believe that Odysseus would return one day and kill all of the suitors. And Odysseus smiles at this and assures him that he will live to see that happen. Both Philoetus and Eumaeus vow to help Odysseus when the time comes. Meanwhile, the suitors are still discussing how to kill Telemachus. But then an eagle flies by with a dove in its claws, which is not a good sign. Uh, So Amphinomus tells them that they should maybe stop plotting and go back to feasting, which is exactly what they do. And it's more of the same. It's what we have seen in basically every other book of the suitors. Um, They're rude. Telemachus is nice. Antinous is a total jerk. Um, Athena makes sure that Odysseus gets pissed off so that he'll be primed to kill everyone later. But while Odysseus manages to keep his head, eh, Telemachus, not so much. He yells at the suitors, telling them that he's had it. And the suitors are, at least briefly, silent. 
eventually one by the name of Agelios, speaks up. Uh, he again argues that Odysseus is dead, so Penelope should take a new husband. Telemachus says he's not standing in her way, but he will not force her to do anything that she doesn't want to do. Now, the suitors think that is hilarious. Or rather, Athena makes them laugh like they think it's hilarious. I mean, who knows what they really think? They're laughing because of Athena. Theoclymenus warns them that he sees bad things, but this only makes them laugh harder. Theoclymenus continues to try to warn them, but they continue to respond with laughter and jokes. And this time, Telemachus um, ignores them and, and tells Theoclymenus to do the same. Meanwhile, Penelope takes up her seat at a place that she can look across the gathering and, and see her, well, Odysseus, who she may know as her husband, and Telemachus at the other side of the room. Um, and the feast goes on, and Homer tells us that this supper will be the suitor's last. And that is where Book 20 ends. Like I said at the beginning, Homer is the master of rising action. Just when you think Odysseus is about to take care of the suitors, <laughs> nope, not yet. The big things we see in book 20 are what we've seen a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of liminality, which I already pointed out, Odysseus being home but not really home yet, doorways, all of that good stuff. Um, and there's a lot of meddling from Athena. And this is another book that raises the question of whether or not there is such a thing as free will. When the suitors start laughing at the end, it is really over nothing. It comes completely out of the blue. And, and it's not a chuckles bites the dust moment in which they start laughing at a completely inappropriate moment. Um, for those of you not familiar with the Mary Tyler Moore Show and the excellent episode Chuckles Bites the Dust, uh, please pop over to the blog and find the YouTube clip there, triumvirclio.school.blog. I'll wait. Okay, now that you're back, yes, I, I bring this up on purpose, and I may have had a professor who included this episode in class. Um, and it is a great episode, not just because the Mary Tyler Moore Show was great overall. Um, it's great because of how it shows the fine line that our emotions run, um, that fine line between laughter and tears, um, laughter as a coping mechanism, how, how emotions are liminal, um, which I think is why I love the concept of liminality so much, um, because they are so internal to us, right? Um, it, it's, it, it's that, that, okay, so why do I reference it now? That's what makes it great. Why do I reference it now? The suitors aren't laughing because someone got the giggles as a coping mechanism, which is something we see in Chuckles Bites the Dust. Um, and yes, that giggling, that may not be an intentional coping, coping mechanism. Um, I mean, have you ever gotten so angry that it makes you cry? You don't want to, right? You don't want to cry. You're angry, you're, you, but it brings tears to your eyes. Um, it, it's just something that happens. That's it, the same deal. I mean, sometimes you, as we see in Chuckles Bites the Dust, Mary is is laughing 
And she does. She doesn't want to laugh. She knows it's not something that's funny, while simultaneously it's hilarious. Right? That is not what's happening here. The suitors aren't laughing because something particularly funny happened. They're not laughing because something particularly stressful happened, and and uh, someone got the giggles, which then made everybody laugh. They're laughing because Athena made them laugh. They're laughing because Athena wants Odysseus to be really steamed by the time the killing comes around. So is there any free will in this story? I mean, if we look back, not just in book 20, there was a suitor who thought about leaving. And if he had, he'd survive this whole epic. But Athena's decided, nope, your fate is sealed you get to stay here. So even though if he had free will, he might have chosen to leave, he doesn't He doesn't get the choice, right? Same thing here. If the suitors had any control over themselves, would they be laughing? Maybe not. Because again, there was nothing, there was nothing funny. There was nothing, nothing stressful that happened at that situation. It was all Athena. Anyway, on a happier note, how awesome is Telemachus in this book? I love it when he tells the suitors that he's not stopping Penelope from getting remarried. He is simply respecting her wishes, which, you know, really and truly is quite a progressive stance for a 2,500-year-old poem. Uh, so, so what do you think of Athena or Telemachus? Um, of this as an example of rising action, you could use this entire epic in a writing course to to show how to build that tension before you get to the climax of the story. And and we're we're not there yet. You keep thinking we're going to be there, and we're not. Um, is is there something else that book twenty made you think of? Uh, please pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. Uh, you can watch Chuckles Bites the Dust while you're there. Uh, the blog is at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes, depending on your platform. And please, if you can afford it, join me on Patreon. Your support is what keeps this podcast going. I'm there as Clio, and you can find the URL for that in the show notes, too. On Monday, we will read Plautus's Aulularia. Say that ten, uh, ten times fast, right? Aulularia, Aulularia. It's a nice Latin word. <laughs> Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.